Our scripture for today comes from Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Let us listen to God's word. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the balls, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their city. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God Most High, I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion, and when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt trembling like sparrows, from Assyria fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was in a consignment store with my daughter about a week ago, and like most consignment stores, it wasn't exactly designed for children. All of it was women's clothing, nothing there for kids. So my daughter is sitting in the corner looking a little bored, distracting herself with something, and I'm browsing the shelves when I find some really cute sandals. They look pretty small for a size 5 shoe, and they look like they might just fit Sophia perfectly. So I walk one of the sandals over and have her try them on, and they do fit, at which point I slightly freak out because she can wear now women's shoes. Slightly excited, too, though, because this means I can buy her shoes that she is certainly going to outgrow, and that means that I get to end up with these shoes. (laughs) I'm thinking all of this as I strap on these sandals, and then I walk her over to where the other shoes are to try others on, and I say, walk around, please, so I can see how they fit. Obedient, she gets up and does that obligatory stroll around the store so that parents can watch and make sure the shoes fit. At which point I hear, and I look up, and it's the clerk. And she's talking to my daughter. Miss, if you're going to play dress-up with these clothes, I need you to stop. (laughs) Sophia's eyes dart. Suddenly nervous, so I step in. Oh no, she's not playing dress up. She's with me. I'm having her try those on to see if they fit. 
situation resolved. So I thought. But the clerk evidently was having one of those days. All right, well, please have her be careful with them. I still need to be able to sell them after you don't buy them. Now, if you'll excuse me, I will go tend to my paying customers. And with a hair flip, she walked away. If it were just me, I might, maybe, on the off chance, have swallowed my pride, might have, and let it go, except, except my daughter, who has sat through a day of shopping with patience and gratitude, my daughter, who may not have understood everything this woman just said, but certainly understood the luck of disgust, dripping with condescension, my daughter, who had just been so excited and proud of these glittery new sandals, is now standing there humiliated. So, Mama Bear steps in and says, I was, in fact, going to buy those sandals and the other pair of shoes, too, and I was going to look at clothing for me, but I can now assure you I'll be leaving with nothing. Which is satisfying in and of itself, Except the other paying customer to whom the clerk was going to help was my good friend, Connie, who stepped out of the dressing room, handed her a pile of clothes, and said, I'm also with them, and I live here, and will never be returning to this store. With that, we walked out. It is satisfying to have a punishment like that. (laughs) It is. It just feels right. You don't get justice without this appropriate consequence, right? You steal, you pay it back, and then some. You lie, you need to go to the necessary people and tell the truth. Behavior, consequence. You're probably getting an inside look as to what our home looks like. If I walked out of that store without saying something to the clerk, first, I wouldn't be me. And secondly, I would still be thinking about it. I wouldn't be able to just let it go. You see, if she does something that rude, there should be a consequence. That's justice. That's fair. That's right. And I really like justice. I like things to be right. You see, there's this tension in our faith between God's justice and God's mercy. Reap what you sow, but we reap the eternal life that Christ has sown. That's mercy. Pay your debts, but Christ has paid the debt of our sin, a debt we could never have paid. That's mercy. But if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. That's justice. If we curse the Holy Spirit, then Christ says that he will curse us. That's justice. If we ignore the least, last, and lost that Christ sends us to care for, Christ says that on the last day, on the day of judgment, he'll tell the Father he doesn't know us. Justice. Mercy and justice. For us, it's attention. But for God, they are united. Picture a car. A standard, re-
rear-wheel drive vehicle, right? How does it move? You put in the fuel and you turn the key and you push the gas, but what happens inside the car? That fuel we put in needs to get pumped to the engine. The engine this causes this series of combustion thousands generating rotation in the crankshaft. The engine passes this rotation, the torque, along to the transmission. The transmission along to the drive shaft, which then sends it backwards before transferring it again, this time to the rear wheels. It's magic. Absolute magic. And then the wheels begin to spin. More combustion in the engine generates more torque, more rotation in the drivetrain, more rotations of the wheels, more speed. No, I'm not an engineer. But that's the car. You push the gas, this magic happens on the inside, and it moves. It actually moves. Now, let's say the car is the church. Right? And God is driving this car. And when God pushes the gas, where is he taking us? Well, it's not hard. God is generally driving us toward heaven. And not just eternal life heaven. He's driving us toward heaven where everything is how God intended it to be. He is driving this car through our broken world, our broken lives, heading toward healing and wholeness and peace. Inviting everybody to hop in, driving us, his people, toward heaven on earth. Do you have that pictured? Because this is the point I'm going to invite the two volunteers who are standing up forward. They are the back wheels of God's car, okay? If it's okay, I'm going to name those wheels. One is justice, the other is mercy. You can decide amongst yourselves who is who. They are literally where the rubber hits the road in our Christian life. They are what guides how we handle hostile clerks, for example, in consignment stores, and frustrations at home and how we handle our sin, balancing justice and mercy. They are not opposed. They are parallel. They are both God's tools for getting where we are going. So God has his car aimed straight at heaven, engine pumping, then life happens and the car gets off track. It's pointed in the wrong direction. Now instead of pointing toward heaven, it's pointed at guilt or fear or bitterness. So God begins to turn the car, aiming it again towards heaven. But watch as they turn. Watch the two back wheels of justice and mercy closely and watch how they move. You see, to turn the car, one has to move faster than the other. Either justice or mercy has to walk faster while the other one goes slower because they're always parallel. They're not opposing. Justice and mercy, they're where the rubber literally hits the road in our Christian life. We, the church, are defined by both justice and mercy as we work to build heaven on earth. Always both justice and mercy. And depending on on the moment. We need to decide which wheel needs to be spinning 
faster. We can't just choose a favorite. I have one. It's called justice. But we can't just choose a favorite that we use to make every single course correction that doesn't work in the church. If we only use one, we will literally be spinning in a circle. This passage from Hosea, it shows us God navigating this balance between justice and mercy. It begins with this incredibly intimate image of God as a parent holding us in his arms. God takes us by the hands and teaches us to walk. God says, to you, I was like one who lifts a child to the cheek and I bent down to feed you. We grow up with God, from being held in his arms to learning to walk, and not just as children. But when we're baptized, God holds us in his arms, takes us by the hands, and teaches us to walk. That's mercy. That's mercy. But then life happens. Life happens. And Hosea says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. Can you hear the heartbreak? The child that God has raised, has fed, has comforted, the more God calls that child, the more the child walks away, the more God calls, come back, I love you, I will feed you, the more the child went away. You see, one of the few guarantees I can give you in this life is that the car will get off track. Those you love will hurt you. Promising futures become dead ends without a moment's notice. You will get lost or distracted on the road and find that suddenly your life is hurtling towards bankruptcy or bitterness or despair. The car is emptier than it once was. Or suddenly you're sharing a seat with people you wish would leave. The car gets off track. And back on track looks like a balance between justice and mercy. It's a silly example, this clerk consignment store example. Her behavior was not like heaven. It was off course. And in our daily lives, our tools for correction are justice and mercy. The clerk embarrassed my daughter. She was rude. But maybe it was ignorance or a bad day. So I started with mercy. She's with me. I'm looking to buy the sandals. It really is okay. And she responded by pushing things further off course, so I responded with justice. Okay, then, we will leave with nothing. Justice is not better than mercy. Mercy is not better than justice. They're aimed at the same thing. They're both aimed at heaven on earth. If there is a person starving down the street, we can have all the feelings of sympathy, pity, cry over their suffering all day, but mercy will not feed them. We have to set things right. Give them food. That's justice. 
If there's someone who hurt you, something they did that you don't want to let go, don't want to forgive, you can drag that person face down through the dirt and it will not get better. Because the problem is not one for justice. It is one for mercy. We have to forgive. Mercy. We have to forgive. Because God forgives. The child who walks away, the child that God is calling after, calling after, come home, let me feed you, let me guide you, let me hold you and teach you to talk. That child? It's you. It's me. We are the ones breaking God's heart. We are the ones drifting away. But instead of opening the heavens and raining fire and destruction upon us, instead of loading us with the despair that our sins frankly deserve, God says this. God says, I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. You see, God forgives first with mercy and then convicts us of our wrongdoing with justice. Some of you this morning, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be calling out, out to someone you love. You're calling them back to the faith. Back to your heart, back to the truth, come back home, back from the grave, come back from the dark, and they just keep drifting further away. It can be crippling. Like you have to learn how to live again. You want to force them. You want to forgive them. You want to punish them. You rage or you weep, but the car is off track and you don't know where to go. God gets it. God knows his people are so determined to turn from him. God knows we are determined to turn from him. So he cries out with justice and mercy. He cries out. Hosea says he roars. He roars like a lion. And when he roars, his children come trembling. Over the past week, we've seen 34 people left dead and over 50 wounded in mass shootings in California, Mississippi, Texas, and Ohio. Can you hear God roaring? In the last two weeks, we've mourned the loss of Mary Jo Bradford and of Charles Wilson. Can you hear God roaring? In the next few days, our children and teachers and teens will go back to school. And we will be reminded once again of the poverty around us, of the increase in anxiety and depression that plagues our teenagers, of the parenting crisis where children are left to make all decisions as if they know best. Can you hear God worrying? Because I can hear it. I can hear the roars of justice and mercy. I can hear them. God knows 
His people are determined to turn from him. So he cries with justice and mercy. He roars like a lion. And when he roars, his children come trembling. Can you hear God roaring? Can you hear him roar like a lion? Do you hear the sounds of justice and mercy? You do. I know we do. So my question is, will you roar with him? Will you roar with God? Let us pray. Lord, we see your justice and your mercy in this world. We see the ways you correct our lives, you correct our church and our community, that we might be on track building heaven on earth. And every time we get off track, Lord, we can hear you roar like a lion. Give us the courage to roar with you, to be the hands and feet of those who work towards justice to help those in need. But Lord God, also to be those who are quick to forgive with mercy, who are quick to kindness. But God, we ask for that kind of boldness, for that kind of witness. Send us out to roar with you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.